Uh, with that in mind, as we come to the scriptures today, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures that give us life. I thank you for your love and your gracious hand, your gracious whisper, your gracious embrace toward us who we don't deserve it, but we're so thankful for your love, God. We're thankful for your love. So in this morning, God, in these moments as we share from your word, may your spirit move among us and minister to our hearts, God. I pray that some hearts would be healed and some need to be, and you know who they are. I pray that some uh, people's um, expectations would rise to the level that you're calling us to. I pray that you would set us free, that you would restore, God, that you will lift up, that you would break the bondages off of our lives, God. And uh, I ask now that you would stand in this my body, that you would think with my mind and speak with my tongue. Say to us in this house those things that you would have us know. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. I um, um, have the privilege today of speaking about a topic um, and today's, uh, the title of today's message is Marriage and Divorce. Marriage and Divorce. And so the beauty of the scriptures is that if, uh, as long as we, by God's grace, continue to stay faithful to, to sharing the scriptures, uh, it's kind of nice because we are called to share. And as a preacher, I'm called to speak what the scripture says. Amen? And, and, and that's all. And so I want to be faithful to the word of God this morning. Um, one of the most wonderful things about Jesus is that he is willing and has authority to talk about all the topics that most matter to us. Often people think that the Bible is irrelevant to our lives today. I think primarily people say this often because they don't like what the Bible has to say about certain topics. And so it's easier to call the Bible antiquated or outdated, not relevant. Uh, because if it's not true, then I don't have to pay attention to it. Are you with me? Right? And, um, but if it is still relevant, and, and if Jesus does have something to say about our lives today, then we have to pay attention. Say, pay attention. We have to pay attention to what Jesus is saying to us. And so we come today in humility to this topic. In this sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been talking about very relevant topics that matter to us. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the issue of anger. Say, anger. And he talked about how we need to deal with our anger. Just yesterday, I was uh, taking care of some errands, and I was, I was somewhere with Sarah, and she was uh, having her little, a little dance class, and a couple of things were happening that I was not happy with. And for a second, I got so upset that I said, I'm going to go in there and tell her, we're leaving right now. You say, Pastor, what, what gets into you sometimes? <laughs> I know nobody else struggles with anger, right? But... But you know what? And the, and the Lord was, hey, give it to me, peace. And, you know, in one minute, the, the thing that I thought was a problem was not the problem at all. She had a great time, and it was like, you see, sometimes in the middle of our anger, sometimes the best thing to do is just to wait and be quiet, not say anything. Uh, Lord, help us with our anger. Say anger. Then, uh, then uh, uh, last week, Brother David uh, spoke about uh, the issue of lust and adultery. And it was a very powerful message, and, and uh, he spoke about how God's called us to see people with his eyes and not for our own benefit, and so just really, really powerful. But there are real issues, anger, lust, and adultery. There are real issues. 
Jesus does not back away from talking about the real issues. Amen? He's not just sanitized so much that, well, I'm just up here and I don't want to deal with that. No, no. He goes in there and talks to people about the real stuff. And the same crowd that was listening to him on that day on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we can become part of that crowd now through the scriptures and listen to what the Lord is saying to us um, about matters in our life. Today we're going to continue the conversation on another difficult topic. And we have to remember that the ways of the kingdom of God are different than our ways. Amen? (laughs) The ways of the kingdom of God are different than the ways of this world. I was at a medical office this past week, and the lady that was getting my information for what I was uh, doing there, um, she asked me a question that, you know, people often will ask, what do you what do you do, right? And so and you never know how people are going to respond when I respond with what I do. Is I, I said, I am a pastor because that's what I do. That's my livelihood. That's what I do. And you never know how people are going to respond. But this lady was interesting. She actually asked me a question that honestly no one else has ever asked me. And I, th- I thought to myself, God, why would you have this woman ask me this question today? Because I knew what the topic was going to be. And she said, so have you started working on your sermon for Sunday? Are you already finished? And kind of trying to get to, like, what, what's the sermon going to be about? And I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm talking about what? I'm talking about, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I said, I'm actually talking this week about divorce. I know it's a really difficult topic. So I'm asking for lots of prayers and grace. That's exactly what I said to her so that God can help me share this message. And she looked at me with a, just a different kind of look and just um, just a very real look. And she said, you know, I, I'm divorced. And I was married when I was really, really young. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I've, I've, had, to experience, I've had to experience that. And I took a moment just to share with her a little bit of, of my journey and my uh, testimony concerning uh, marriage and, and, and all of that. And, but... What it brought to me as this lady was talking to me was this is a real issue that has affected so many lives and so many families and so many people. And here's the thing. The government have something to say about it. Your family might have something to say about it. But I just want to tell you today, Jesus has something to say about it. Amen. (laughs) He has something to say about marriage. He has something to say about this thing called divorce. And so... um, uh, my heart at the moment when she shared with me, I was not judgmental. I was not saying, oh, my gosh, you know. No, 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 no. It's not about that. No, no. My heart went out to her. I could feel the pain in her eyes. And as we talk about this difficult topic today, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Jesus doesn't shy away from these topics, so he has a life-giving message for you. And also that there's no judgment here. I don't know what your history is. You might not know all of my history, but there's no judgment here. My desire today is simply to share what Jesus says about it. And I pray that if you stick with me to the end, you'll find hope. Say hope. Amen. So Jesus on marriage. Jesus on marriage. Um, Again, today we're pointing to God's dream. God's dream. We all have dreams. And, and marriage is God's dream uh, for men and women, for m- most men and women on the world. Not everyone. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but it's, a, it's God's dream where a man and a woman come together, leave father and mother, and under God become one flesh. They become one physically, emotionally, and, and in their needs. They meet each other's needs. They become one financially and in every way that they can. I shared a few weeks back how marriage is a beautiful painting. 
Every, every artist has, has a particular style to their paintings. And marriage is a beautiful painting. And he calls the husband to, to, to paint, to be part of that beautiful canvas with sacrificial love. And he calls the wife to be part of that beautiful canvas with something called submission. And I talked about last, the, when I spoke about them, that actually before Jesus talks about anyone submitting to anyone else, he first said, husband and wife, you must submit one to another. You submit to each other first in that humility, then sacrificial love and submission to the husband, allowing him to take the burden of the marriage, not because he's better, but because God has called his painting to look a certain way. And the husband brings a certain color. The wife brings a certain color. And when it's done God's way, it's a beautiful masterpiece, a masterpiece. Amen? And so it's God's dream Marriage is God's dream. It's not somebody else's idea. The government did not come up with it. It is God's dream for most men and women. He calls us to it. And here's what the scripture says in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6, and you have that in your notes. This is Jesus talking about marriage. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning... The creator made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And you say, Pastor, Matthew 19 is not part of the Sermon on the Mount. And you're right. And I'm going to get to the Sermon on the Mount in just one moment. But before I talk about divorce, I need to talk about marriage. Say marriage. Because divorce is something that only happens in the context of a married couple. And so before we got there, we had to talk about God's dream, what Jesus says on marriage. Marriage is a beautiful work of art. Here's the first fill-in. Designed by Creator God. Marriage is a beautiful work of art designed by Creator God. It requires the colors that I talked about, different brush strokes. It is a work of art. Marriage is God's idea from the beginning. Jesus says um, uh, in the scripture, he says, uh, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? So, so marriage is God's idea from the beginning. Say from the beginning. From the start. From the start of what? From the start of human history, marriage has been God's idea. Amen. From the beginning. Also, it is a change in, and here's the next fill-in, a change in priorities. When marriage comes to life, the priorities change. He says at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, usually the closest relationship that you have, and be united to his wife. So the, the priorities change from mom and dad to my wife or from mom and dad to my husband. The priorities change. It's God's idea from the beginning. It's a change in priorities. It's two becoming one. Amen? The two will become one flesh. Say one flesh. And then it is empowered by God. Therefore, what God has joined together. Hey, marriage is God's business. <laughs> and so uh, one of the uh, most helpful tips that anyone gave to me in marriage was make sure that God is constantly a part of of your marriage because it is God empowered. He is the one that brings us together. Amen? It's his idea. It's a change in priorities. It's two becoming one. 
and it's empowered by God. Here's, here's an, another way of saying it. Life in the kingdom of God is a restoration of God's original dream for our lives. Life in the kingdom of God is a restoration of God's original dream for our lives. When it comes to anger, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to lust and adultery, and when it comes to marriage and divorce, life in the kingdom is a restoration of God's original dream for our lives. There's a, uh, a marriage minister who says that, uh, really, when you, when you get married, three things primarily happen. These aren't the only things, but one of the three things. He says, uh, when you get married, you become one financially. <laughs> you become one economic unit. And by the way, it is uh, stated, the, the statistics say, that people who are married do better financially than people who are unmarried. Just a thought. Why? Because if I get hungry and I'm driving by the Golden Arches, and it's just me, and I don't have to be accountable to anyone. Do you know what will happen? I will drive through. Hallelujah. But if my wife and I have agreed that we have a certain budget and we're going to spend only so much money and we're accountable to each other, I might think twice about that. Can I get an amen? Because what I do affects her and what she do does affects me and so we are one financially another thought is we become the next of kin now it's not just mom and dad we they're the closest person to us and we're supposed to work hard to meet each other's needs and finally we become sexually exclusive we are one the scripture talks about it, and we talked about last week that it's only our spouses that we are to give ourselves to and vice versa so we become one financially we become one in terms of meeting each other's needs and we become one sexually let me just say this one more time life in the kingdom of god is a restoration of god's original dream for our lives amen so jesus on divorce just a couple of thoughts before we dive into the scriptures here so it makes sense then, if, if, if marriage is that beautiful picture of God bringing things back to its original state, then that in talking about divorce, Jesus has some strong language, okay? He does. If marriage is the masterpiece that God is calling us to, then divorce, which literally is a separation, another uh, translation of, of divorce is a tearing apart. You ever tear something? Doesn't feel good, Amen. You tear a muscle or you tear something, it's a, there's a rupture, there's a tearing. It's a big deal to Jesus. So then he says, it has been said, Matthew 5, 31, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. This is what people have always said about this. In the Old Testament, there's a couple of scriptures. I don't have time to read them to you, but one of them is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24. And again, we won't go into the whole thing, but here's one little sneak peek of it. Uh, if you can find this, is Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. I'm only going to read the first two verses, I think, but here's how it goes. If a man, this is the Old Testament, say Old Testament. Does Jesus want us to pay attention to the Old Testament? Yes, he does, but he has some light to shed on it as well, okay? It says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, she just makes me mad. She just drives me nuts. And he writes her a certificate of divorce, give it to her, and send her from his house, and sends her from his house, and then goes on after that. It's one of the few scriptures in the Old Testament that deals with divorce. 
It's very interesting because such a, a big deal, you would think it, more things would be found there. But this is, the idea was you can give your wife a certificate of divorce and send her away if she displeases you. So Jesus goes back to what everybody knows. He says, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Anyone who is frustrated with her. A couple of interesting things about divorce. Um, the, uh, a synonym to divorce means it's the same word. Disunion. Breakup. Split. Split up. Severance. Rupture. Breach. Parting. You, you see, it, the idea is separation. The idea something breaking apart. An antonym, that means a word that is the same as, uh, the, the opposite of divorce is this. Unity. Say unity. Think about that. One of the opposites of divorce is unity, is unity. Why then, they asked, did Moses command, this is back to Matthew 19, and it's right there in your notes. Why then did Moses command that a, a man give his wife a certificate of divorce? In other words, the people that are talking to Jesus are saying, well, why did Moses say that? If, if, you know, if it's wrong to do, why did he say that? He says, why did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Say, it's a heart thing. Say it again. It's a heart thing. Most of the time when there are relational breakups, when there are, there's anger between two people, whether they're married or there's family, usually it comes down to an issue of the heart, say the heart. He says, Moses allowed you to do this because your hearts were hard. But listen to this. What does Jesus say? But it was not this way from when? From the beginning. From the beginning. Jesus goes back and says, this is not my original idea. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating what I said before, but life in the kingdom, this is the next fill-in, life in the kingdom of God is a restoration of God's original dream for our lives. It's a restoration. And I, I know I'm, I said the same line twice, but I wanted to emphasize these different words. It's, it's God's original plan. It's a restoration. It's a restoration. Why did, why did Moses allow it? Because your hearts were hard. So then Jesus goes on, and he's just said in the Sermon on the Mount, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's what you've heard. But I tell you, but I tell you, you have heard that if you're angry or you want to kill someone, and then Jesus says, but I tell you, you have heard do not commit adultery, but I tell you, you have heard if you, you need to give your wife a certificate of divorce, you're angry with her, just let her go, but I tell you, what Jesus has to say matters, amen? <laughs> and I don't know what voice you and I listen to today, but it is very important that we lower the volume on all the other voices and lift up the volume of the voice of Jesus. And so whenever he says, but I say you want to pay attention, even, even if it's difficult. And this is not an easy passage, but it is the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen? But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Anyone who enters into marriage and thinks about 
ending it, uh, something else is going on there. It's, it's bigger than what you think. Here's a couple of thoughts before we get into the next fill-in. Sexual immorality in marriage damages the painting of the master <laughs> in a way that is very close. It's, it's a very intimate damage. It's, it's possible to restore the painting, but it doesn't always happen. Listen, God gives the okay to someone who has experienced the betrayal of an affair, the effects of sexual immorality. It's so powerful that it's the only thing that Jesus says, it's okay, I am allowing divorce if this happens, but, but, can I, can I tell you something? Um, some of the most amazing couples that I've met have been couples who've experienced some kind of unfaithfulness in the marriage, but listen, forgiveness has come, and they've worked hard, and they've repented, and they've cried out to God And they've cried out to each other, and they've come together, and healing has come. And now those marriages are as close as I've ever seen any marriage. And because through difficulties, intimacy has come, and now they're more powerful than they ever were. So I want to tell you that there is life after unfaithfulness. Amen? There is life after it. God has mercy. But clearly, Jesus says, "This this is such a deep personal thing. It's the only thing that I make some kind of allowance for. And here's the next fill-in. But I tell you that marriage is such a beautiful masterpiece that only the most intimate of betrayals can make it permissible for it to be undone. So that's the next fill-in, betrayals. Only the most intimate of betrayals can make it permissible for it to be undone. doesn't mean it has to happen, but Jesus says, I, you know, it's such a violence to intimacy that he allows it. Folks, this is why sexual purity and issues of sexuality are so stinking important. This matters to God. Your body matters to God. The body of that woman or that man matters to God. So sexuality is holy. Say holy. And Jesus treats it as holy. Jesus allows it, but just because something is allowed does not mean that it's God's best for you. Again, I've I've seen some circumstances where uh, people have to go away from each other, rupture, and it's still painful. I've seen other circumstances where forgiveness and healing has come. Any other reason for divorce, according to this scripture, brings about relational, here's the next villain, brokenness. Relational brokenness. Relational brokenness. Why did you divorce? I just fell out of love with her. Why did you divorce? He was just driving me insane. Why did you divorce? Put in whatever it is. Jesus here is giving us uh, the blueprint. Any other reason That we divorce brings about relational brokenness. And listen, can I just say something, you guys? I know that there's all kinds of issues here. And we're going to address some difficult issues here in a minute. Um, But I'm I'm trying to to paint a picture of God's dream. Say God's dream. 
And I know that the world's broken. I know there's a lot of pain. I know there's a lot of hurt. I understand that. And God is a restorer. He is a healer. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what happens in your life, God can still love you and can still use you no matter what. Amen? There's an amazing story in the Bible. Jesus comes to a woman who's getting water out of a well, and he says, give me some of that water. She says, why are you talking to me? We're of different ethnicities, different races. Don't talk to me. You shouldn't talk to me. And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, who I, who I am, <laughs> if you knew who I am, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And, and, and they start a conversation, and at some point, Jesus asks her a very strange question. Jesus, they're talking, and she's asking questions. She's starting to be open to what he has to say, and then Jesus says, go get your husband. <laughs> I mean, I, I always think when I read that story, I'm like, Jesus, why, why are you messing up like the good thing that's happening here? There's something about marriage that is important to Jesus. He said, go get your husband. And then you know what she says? She says, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to come clean. I don't have a husband. I've been married. I've had four husbands, four or five. You can look it up. And the man that I'm now living with is not my husband. And you would say, oh, well, you know, that, what that means is that uh, she, she's kind of out. She, she's, you know, once, once Jesus heard that, he says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Do you know what happened? This woman continues a conversation with Jesus, and eventually she's so excited and so touched by what Jesus is doing inside of her life that she goes into the town and tells the people in the town, come and see this Jesus who told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says that the town came, they believed her word, and they came to Jesus. And then eventually the townspeople said, we no longer believe because of what you, woman, have said. But now we've heard Jesus ourselves, and now we know that he is the son of God. She evangelized the town. The town came to Christ because of a woman who'd been married and divorced, married and divorced, married and divorced, and, was, and now had a live-in boyfriend. But something had happened in that interaction with Jesus, and it had changed everything, and now she's one of the first evangelists in the Bible. Amen? Jesus can use us. When Jesus is talking about marriage and divorce, at some point, I don't have time to go into this, but at some point the disciples say to him, well, if that's the case, if marriage and divorce is all this stuff, then maybe it's better not to marry. <laughs> and Jesus has some words about that. And let me just say, say this word about it very quickly. Uh, you know, some people say, well, that's why I'm not going to get married because I don't want to deal with divorce. I don't want the pain of divorce. Here's the deal. You will never experience the pain of divorce if you never marry. That's true. But you will never experience the miracle of becoming one with someone else. But Jesus also says marriage is not necessarily for everyone. There are some people that God has given the gift of celibacy because God wants to use them for his glory. So not everyone is called to marry, by the way. The Apostle Paul uh, did some pretty cool things in the, in the kingdom of God. He wasn't married. Peter, the apostle, did some pretty cool things in the kingdom of God, and he was married. God has a will for each one of us. Amen? And it's not the same. A couple of other things to consider. Domestic violence and abuse. Let me just uh, address this issue. Because people say, well, if we're married and the only thing is sexual immorality, well, and uh, 
domestic violence and abuse. And I just want to tell you this very quick story about it, and we can talk some more. But it is not God's will for a woman or a man that is in a relationship where they're being physically abused, emotionally abused, they're being barraged every day. It's not God's will for you to say, okay, no matter what, I'm just going to take the abuse. Here's why. There's a story in the Bible where King David, King David, say King David. King David uh, gets called to help out King Saul. Say Saul. Saul uh, would have this kind of evil spirit that would come and torment him. And the Bible says that they would bring in David, and he would bring in his guitar or his harp. And he would start playing the harp. And when he started playing the harp, Saul's pain would go away. And so here's David serving the king of Israel at the time who was Saul. Are you with me? He was the king, so he was doing his duty. He was serving the king. It's what he was called to do. He was asked to do it. And so every time he would play, the tormenting spirit would leave Saul. But every once in a while, Saul, even though this man was blessing him with, his, with, with, with the harp, every once in a while, Saul would get angry and would get frustrated, and he would, he would grab his, his spear, and he would throw it at David. And the Bible says that every once in a while, you know, David was playing and wow, boom, spears. Anybody thrown a spear at you before? And th- there came a point, listen, listen, there came a point where David just, he kept playing. But at some point, the spear got so close that David said this, listen, if I stay, I'm going to, I'm going to die. And the Bible says that he fled. There are some scenarios where we have to flee for our lives. I say this because I have heard some horror stories about people coming t- for counsel and people saying, well, you must stay married because that's what the Bible says. But, but he's killing me or she's hurting me. There are some times where we have to flee. And God knows. Amen. But we're talking, listen, we're t- today we're talking about God's dream. His dream is for unity. His dream is for two people coming together. In Christ, there is always hope. Here's the last thing I'll say. The Bible says that Jesus was nailed on the cross. And how many know that while he was on the cross, there was pain? How many know that while he was on the cross, there was things that were happening in his body that did not feel good. How many know that it was painful? Not just what he was suffering, but people would walk by Jesus and would say, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you just free yourself from the cross? Come down, and then we will believe. In other words, why don't you get out of that situation and stop the pain, and then we'll believe who you are. But the Bible says that Jesus in pain, listen, Even though he was suffering, he stayed. He just stayed. He stayed on the cross. When things got intensely difficult, he stayed. He sacrificed. He forgave. And out of that came resurrection and restoration. That's the final filling. Resurrection and restoration. Resurrection and restoration. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We love you. We praise you. We need you. Um, I pray that you would minister to our hearts in this topic. and, And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving among us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.